You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Thursday edition of Locked On Utes. I'm Jake. That is the brown bear in the chair himself, Brian Brown. Hi, Brian. Hello, Jake. How's it going? Good. Hey, I got to tell you something. It's really weird, but every we, I don't know. We're going to pull back the curtain for a brief second here. Every time we record, I put gum in. Like, we're going to talk. <laughs> I was thinking about it as I'm walking over, putting in gum. Just now. I'm like, why did I put this in? I have to take it out. We're going to talk. Anyways. That's how good I'm doing, Jake. I'm so excited to see you that I'm putting gum in like we're going on a date. Sweet. Hey, I, I appreciate that. You're, you're trying to be your best self. I, I, th- I appreciate that as you make your effort on this podcast. Lots to get to on today's show, though. Uh, we do need to talk about another high-profile transfer. Chris Curry going to join the Utah football program, another running back. Uh, I'm excited for this one. We'll break that down. also need to talk a little bit about how Utah's kind of handling getting guys into school. A lot of people understand what the initial count is. Is, but many of you may not. We'll discuss that, where scholarships stand for Utah. And, of course, we also need to preview Utah taking on Stanford in hoops, a matinee affair at the Huntsman Center that we need to talk about as well as on today's show. So that's a lot to get to. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you in part by our good friends at Bet Online, as well as our good friends over at Rock Auto. We'll tell you about both of those companies here in just a little bit. So without further ado, Brian, what do you say? Should we get going here? I'm not going to stop this train from rolling. (laughs) All right, let's do it. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for January 14th, 2021. Once again, this is Locked On Utes, your daily podcast focused on all things Utah athletics. I'm Jay Catch. That is Brian Brown. We are your co-host tandem here on the podcast, even though I've been a little MIA the last uh, week or so. Brian had multiple things that have precluded me from recording, so I appreciate you filling in yesterday, doing it solo. But uh, I am back and excited to talk Utah sports with you. That's why we do this in tandem, right, Jake? Because there are days where I can barely answer a question, <laughs> and there are days when you're out doing your Jake Hatch saving the world impression. So yeah, well, we'll call it. It, saving it just the world works. Impression. I don't know if we're necessarily Batman and Robin, uh-huh. but but we'll we'll pretend like it. Try to reprise the role, right? That's that's yeah. the goal. But like, anyway, maybe Ren and Stimpy dressed uh, as Batman and Robin. Yes, Ren and Stimpy is a nice pull on your part. I like that. That's a good pull. Uh, but. Regardless, this is your daily podcast focused on all things Utah. Make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button if you haven't done so already. We love the support you guys have given us here over the roughly the first month of this podcast we've been doing this. Didn't we start on December 14th? I think this is actually the one-month anniversary. I'd have to go back and look at that, but we are right on it. This has been one month. We're past it. December 11th. It was the 11th. Okay. Well, regardless. There you go. But hey. Happy one month to us, and we are looking forward to many, many more shows to come. But, Brian, let's get going here with some fantastic news out of the transfer portal. If you're a Utah football fan, it came yesterday via a tweet from Chris Curry, a running back formerly of LSU, a Tiger, going to become a Ute, and he becomes the second running back in the transfer portal to join Utah in the past week. What are your, I guess we'll start here. What are your overall impressions of Chris Curry as he makes the transition from the Bayou to Salt Lake City? 
the biggest thing that I usually go for is, is I want to try and find some film of him. And then that's what I like to go look at first and foremost, uh, West coast FB, uh, CFB West Coast, West Coast CFB, CFB yeah. on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, posted a clip of him in the spring game where he did his best impersonation of Marshawn Lynch. Mm. And so that that's one thing that I like to do when I look at, at prospects and evaluating the talent. The other thing I like to do is go check the recruiting profiles, 24 seven sports as people that are getting hired to be director of player personnel and, and GMs and, and recruiting coordinators at places like Vanderbilt. So obviously they might know something about what they're doing. Uh, so I, I like to look at those two things and, and his running style is that it, it's thick. It is just hard and it is, he's not extremely fast, but he's also 5'11", 200 pounds. He's bigger than that now, actually. Dustin, I think he's closer to Dustin, about 230. Dustin 5'11", 216, according to the official roster that I saw. So this is a thick thick running back and he runs like that you're you're right he he runs big he's going to be a bruiser and i'm looking forward to seeing him suiting up for the utes yeah an upgrade replacement slash for devin brumfield by the way brumfield announcing as well yesterday that he was moving on to Tulane. okay we talked a lot about how he wanted to go home closer to home it'll be a great fit for him it'll be fun for me because i love to watch tulane i love their uniforms i want to order some tulane stuff from uh, a certain college football brand that doesn't advertise with us yet but hopefully will soon enough hey guess what um by the way i know you you know i do the locked on cougars podcast did you see that they tease some byu gear I know that's that, the Utah. So I have a Utah shirt from, from this from, brand. We can say it. It's home, home field. field apparel. Yeah. Yeah. I have a Utah shirt. They haven't expanded the catalog, but I saw the tease of the, uh, I believe it was Sailor Coog, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. One of my favorite, I, I can't say favorite, but if I have to look at a BYU logo, that's probably the one that I'd pick above them all. I, I'm just saying the, the home field apparel, you're right. I'm getting back to the point. Tulane, the angry wave logo is one of the greats in all of college football. So congratulations to Devin Brumfield. He'll do well there with Will, Willie Fritz. It's a very run-heavy scheme, and he'll be a fantastic addition to that program. And And, and by turnabout utah has done fantastic with the addition of chris curry he is a big solid back he's incredibly strong he's not going to juke you a ton you're not going to see a lot of zach moss style running where he maybe tiptoes behind the line plants and then just darts down the field that's why they went and got uh, tj pledger that's yeah. why they have makai bernard that's something that ricky parks will eventually go into and i think the, the biggest thing about chris curry was finding a good short short yardage back a a powerful runner that could change of pace and you've got two backs in Makai Bernard and TJ Pledger that you can put out as as slots or wide receivers or move around Bernard played wide receiver his senior year of high school so he has a lot of versatility you've gone and gotten a very solid very strong running back I haven't seen him in pass protection very much yet but the biggest thing is that he's a 91 he's a four-star back he's coming from a blue blood program in LSU this is a guy that had plenty of offers both out of high school and once you hit the transfer portal, you know, offers from places like LSU, Florida, Maryland, Michigan, Nebraska, a very highly coveted guy. And the problem was he just got buried on the depth chart at LSU. And, and this is a guy that started for LSU in the national championship game when Clyde Edwards Hilaire could not go. Yeah. So 
he is a guy that I look forward to seeing. The nice part is he's got a time on his side. He's not a graduate transfer who's going to come in and only have one year at Utah. He is a sophomore. In the 2020 season, we all know that eligibility has been frozen. He's going to have some time to develop and become a better player while being a Ute. I'm looking forward to seeing this young man uh, suiting up for the University of Utah. I, I watched his film as well. I'm with you. When I when I hear about these transfer portal uh, additions for regardless of the program that I'm covering, I usually go and look up film and I want to see how they look. And yeah, th- it was cool to see West Coast CFB have that Marshawn Lynch-esque run from spring ball. But this is a young man that I think is going to be a welcome addition to that running back room because he brings a style that Utah needs, especially in short yardage. They really haven't had a back his size and strength in a while. I think Devin Brumfield was a smaller version of him, but Devin was not as explosive as Chris Curry is. And I don't want people to get the misinterpretation that he is some lightning bolt out of the backfield, but for his size, the way that he moves, Mm -hmm. it's a very smooth, very powerful transition when he decides to make his cut. And you're absolutely right. This is something that Utah needed. They needed diversity in that backfield in terms of types of running backs. They needed a more, I don't want to say scat back type, but a a speedier back with some power. I think TJ Pledger fills that role. Makai Bernard, as I've mentioned, very, very, more upright runner, speedier. Sure. Uh, I think we've seen some out of him, but he's still just very, very young. He just barely turned 19 this year. Uh, I believe back in December. I, sh- I say this year, I mean seasons. I don't think in terms of like the, 2020 the hasn't ended in most people's minds. I don't, think. <laughs> I don't know if it ever ends Jake to me. It's still March. So, but I think, I think the other thing that it's, it's an indication of is that Utah has a reputation now of being able to develop running backs, put running backs in the NFL. They're getting higher rated recruits every single year. Ricky Parks was an 88. Uh, Makai Bernard's an 86. Chris Curry's an 89. For the, These are industry composites. Yeah. TJ Pledger's a 99. By comparison, Zach Moss was an 83. TJ Green an 84. Devin Brumfield an 86. Wilmore an 89. Makai Bernard an 86. And I'll let others debate uh, you know whether Wilmore made a, mistake, made a mistake by transferring or not. I think he did. Uh, but not at the time. It's just, it, it's such a difficult way to go about it. I think Utah was still going to the transfer portal regardless. Uh, but I think it's just what happened with Ty Jordan and everything like that just accelerated the, 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 um, the, the process, the, process yeah, timeline. the timeline and, and, and the guys that they needed to bring in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So we're looking forward to seeing Chris Curry suiting up for Utah. And uh, one thing real quick, Homefield Apparel, if you're listening to this, we want to have you guys with Locked On Utes. Uh, pulling back the curtain a little bit, Brian, I have been in contact. I, you guys, Most people that are listening to this podcast know I do Locked On Cougars on the BYU side. Well, we might be having Homefield on Locked On Cougars soon, so we need to get them on Locked On Utes as well. So I'll work on both of those in the coming days. But uh, looking forward to seeing Chris Curry suiting up for the Utes. Uh, coming up here in just a moment, though, the the – Additions that Utah has made recently, especially with the quarterbacks, the running backs that they have added, Brian, a lot of people are probably sitting there wondering, okay, National Signing Day is here in a few weeks. 
What is Utah looking at, and what are they looking like with regards to scholarships, the initial scholarship counter? Where does all of that stand? Brian's going to help us help fill you in on that here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, we need to take a minute today, Brian, and talk to everybody once again about our good friends at betonline.ag. Uh, you and I are both guys who we work in the sports industry, and I get the question more often than not. You'll probably get this one too, Brian. Well, you work in sports. You're probably pretty good at sports betting, aren't you? Yeah, people come to me all the time and say, hey, what's your pick for this game? And I usually tell them, well, I think that this team will win. And they say, well, what about the spread? And it's, uh, <laughs> spread? Like, are we talking mayonnaise? Or are yeah. we talking pimento? Like, I don't know what's going on. Well, and, and, yeah. And that's what's great about betonline.ag is that you can learn how to gamble properly to, to Turn on locked on bets in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Have that playing as you say, said everything about, and and get into it because it is a different kind of strategy when you're going uh, gambling. Yeah, there's one place that we'd recommend you guys check out, and that is betonline.ag. You can sign up for a free account now, and the best part about it is our good friends at BetOnline, they want to reward you, the listener, when you sign up with them. So you go to betonline.ag, sign up for that account, but when you're there, when you make that first deposit, you use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. It is free money uh, to use. Whether you deposit 10 bucks, you get 15 bucks. Whether it's 100 bucks you get 150 bucks you guys know the math it's real easy to do but the best part is it is free money and it's their way of welcoming you to the the family that is betonline.ag we love having them as a sponsor here with us on locked on use and cannot encourage you guys enough to check them out so once again go to betonline.ag use that promo code locked on for that 50 percent welcome bonus and get in the game plain and simple just get in the game and do it with bet online your online sportsbook experts all right, Brian, it is your time to shine on this podcast. And I'm not saying that you don't shine every single second that you're on this podcast, but this instance, this exact instance, is why I signed on to do this podcast with you. To share my moisturizing secrets? Yes, that's exactly it, moisturizing <laughs> secrets. Pull back the curtain, Brian. Tell us how you keep that skin so supple and soft. I tell you what it is, Jake. It's a full-fledged knowledge of scholarship and initial counts every year for the University of Utah football team. That and staying hydrated. That's how I keep this space looking radio quality. I, I dig. I absolutely can dig that. So, obviously, I think many people out there, I think, have heard the term of schol- initial scholarship counter. And I think they also understand that, yeah, college football at the FBS level, you're limited to an 85 scholarship uh, you have an 85 scholarship you can dole out. You can have up to 123 players on the roster. Those are walk-ons beyond the 85 scholarships. But pull back the curtain a little bit for people here. What is the initial scholarship counter? Why does it matter? And then we'll get to more of the specifics on where Utah stands with their current count. Essentially what it does is it permit, prevents the big-time programs who may have missed in a year or a recruiting cycle from just loading up with 30 or 40 guys and taking all the good recruits. They allot 25 initial scholarships, like you were saying, or we call them initials for short, per year. The initials are not allowed to roll over. The initials are not transferable. If you have a program, a player that leaves your program, you do not gain an additional an, an additional initial say that five times fast <laughs> actually don't because then you'll sound like an idiot like me right now but the, the 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 conversation behind it and i think for our more 
we, we do kind of cater to a more, I will say a higher level of investment, uh, that kind of an audience that knows these kinds of things. If you don't, if you're listening and you're like, why are you talking about this? It, there is a good reason for it, right? Because Utah has hit the quote unquote 25 initial scholarship count with returning missionaries, with signed players coming in from the recruiting class and with these now four players coming through the transfer portal, but Utah still has some needs. We saw yesterday as well that former Provo high wide receiver Ty Jones announced his intentions to enter in the transfer portal. Later in the afternoon, Ross Oppo releases a video tagging a bunch of local Utah sports media people in the video of Ty Jones. Coincidence? Probably not, right? We're, we're reading between lines here, but mm-hmm. it, it's it, that. So, so the reason that we present this picture is where does Utah stand in the whole situation? It, it, do they have enough scholarships? What's the initial count? How can they get around that kind of thing? So, okay. Yeah. So you, you mentioned there that Utah, it looks like right now has maxed out that 25 scholarship limit, the initial count here with all of their additions in this current recruiting cycle. But uh, Ty Jones, a transfer from Washington, a kid who went to Provo high school, uh, a homegrown product here in the state, went to Washington and spent the last four years playing for the Huskies. For all intents and purposes, I would be surprised if he goes anywhere but coming home to Utah in terms of his next destination, regardless if that's Utah, uh, BYU, etc. But how, Brian, if you, like you said, they're they're maxed out here with this 25, how would Utah go about getting him into school and onto the roster? So that's the conversation is, is how do you work around this 25 scholarship number? And then the biggest thing that you can do, it's, it's twofold. You can do what's called a push forward where some of your 2021 signees will actually be a part of the 2022 recruiting class. It's something that Utah has done a lot of, and, and you do have to keep an eye on the numbers that way. I think, I believe Cooper justice, if I'm not mistaken, may have been a push forward for this class, for example, um, there may be another. A Britton Covey is a great example of it. He was one that wasn't actually on scholarship until the school year started. So you can, Julian Blackman is another one. Local athletes are usually the easiest ones to do this with because initially they can pay their own way, quote unquote, or, or not have to pay to get to Utah, not have to pay to set everything up. Sure. And then once the school year starts, you can push that scholarship forward and, and count them in, in that manner. So that's one way to do it. The other way is that you can have some of your incoming recruits gray shirt for a year. Uh, Jonah Ellis is coming into the University of Utah. His father is an alumni, has a great relationship with the coaching staff. I'm not, I'm speaking – I need to back this off. Yeah, like this, this is com- you're speaking generally. This is a hypothetical. Exactly, exactly. This is me using an example of how you would do it, not saying specifically, "Hey, wink, wink." This is what he's going to do. Yeah. It's just one of those things where if I happen to be right, I look like a genius. But more often than not, I look like myself, which is, you know, moisturized. Moisturized. Um, beautiful. Yes. That's that's right. Just shining and glowing right now. So getting back to the topic at hand here, there are options that they can roll with that, right? So he could gray shirt for a year, which means that he's a part-time student. They figure it out with his dad, you know, so he's, he's on campus, he's with the team, he's practicing, but he's not exhausting a year of eligibility, especially because they do have some you know, positions at the linebacker DE spot that maybe have been filled. And there are players in the past that have done that, that have still come 
into the program and been productive players. It's not like it's some sort of evil thing, but it's just an option that the university has. And that could create some space that they wanted to add either Ty Jones, or if there's another player in the portal that suddenly enters or something happens after spring ball, there are all those options. Well, isn't it KJ Dixon, the star receiver from Colorado? He just entered the portal himself yesterday. So there are options out there uh, for Utah if they want to pursue this. And they've proven and shown so far that they're more than happy to bring in guys via transfer. And I don't blame them one bit, speaking of the University of Utah and their coaching staff, for, for, for pursuing those options. But it will be interesting to see, yes, how they balance things. Should a guy like Ty Jones reciprocate interest from the university and decide he wants to be a Ute? But nonetheless, Brian, the good news is Utah has options out there. That's what we like to see. And, and they're capitalizing on the portal in a very positive manner. I think that's the part that's delicious we'll say to utah fans right now and they just can't can't stop eating and gorging themselves on all this transfer portal news and i don't think it's going to end necessarily you'll probably get another snippet or two from from the utes as they work their way through uh the upcoming season everything like that Um, but i think the bulk of their work is probably done at this point Uh, like i said I, i do think there is a possibility that ty jones does come to the university of utah um, but nothing concrete on his end yet. He has just entered the portal, so officially he he can just barely start talking to teams as well. And you never know who's going to come out uh, of the woodwork to try and get a player like that because he is, he's got great size, great speed, very talented. Uh, it comes from a very uh, well-coached program at, at Washington where they've had some depth and he's had to battle a little bit. Um, but it, it's been a very positive tool for Utah, especially this cycle. And I I don't know that it's going to be something that they want to go to regularly, but I think they've found a recipe for anytime they miss on a recruit, anytime a recruit bails on them or a player bails on them, they have a recipe to go in there and get talent back. Jaquin and Jackson basically fulfilling the hole that they lost in 2020 by not really landing a primary recruit is, you know, a masterpiece. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what happens with that. Looking forward to seeing how Utah continues to add talent via the portal. I think it's absolutely genius idea that they, they've kind of stumbled upon. Stumbled upon is probably the wrong term, but the, the way they're going about this and finding this talent and adding it, it is, it's a genius move on Kyle Whittingham and his staff's part. So we'll be tracking more of this as it comes. We'll pass along anything we hear about Ty Jones as he decides to do what he's doing because you're right, he just entered the portal. So there's re- it's really early on in the process for him, but we'll talk talk more about that. Brian, uh, in the meantime, let's talk about our good friends at Rock Auto for a moment here. Uh, You talked about earlier this week how you went online, looked up uh, windshield wipers for your vehicle and found that they were surprisingly and stunningly far cheaper to buy them via rockauto.com than anywhere else in terms of a local store, etc. Not only did I get my windshield wipers for cheaper, but I also got a headlight cleaning kit. And if you're a nerd like me, you want your headlights clean because you want to be able to see the road. Sure. But the, with the money I saved, I was able to get more stuff from Rock Auto. And it's the same kind of brands that you'll find in the store. So why wouldn't you go to a family-owned business like Rock Auto where they're going to give you a better price? They have a massive warehouse. The wipers were super easy to install. I don't know if you've ever done your own wipers, Jake, but some wipers, let me put it this way, all wipers are not created equal. No. And these ones were super simple to snap in, pop them in, fit perfectly, right size, everything like that. Take away the variability 
from any kind of chaos that can enter your life. That's a brown bearism right there. And the best way you can do that with your car is through rock auto. Yeah, the idea is why would you spend uh, 30, 50, maybe even 100% more for the same exact auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you can get them online? And additionally, Brian, with rockauto.com, they're shipped directly to your door. That is one of the other benefits of it. So make sure you go check it out. Go to rockauto.com. You can search out your vehicle. The website's super easy to navigate. You put in your car, the model, the year, et cetera, and it pops up with everything you could be looking for for your vehicle. You can narrow it down by price by manufacturer, whatever you're looking for. It is a fantastic, fantastic way to take care of your car. And while you're there, make sure to write Locked On and How Did You Hear About Us in that box there so they, they know that we sent you from right here on Locked On Ute. So check it out. That's amazing selection, reliably low pricing, all of the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check out our good friends at rockauto.com. This show has flown by, Brian. It absolutely has. And it's been fun because we've had a lot of good topics to hit on. And uh, there are a couple more that we need to hit on before we go here on this podcast. And let's start off with Frank Miley. You and I talked about on this podcast how there was some interest and potential that he could end up working for Utah under Kyle Whittingham. Well, uh, his shining star in the coaching world burns ever bright. And he has found a new job just up the road at Boise State. We talked about the reasons why it would make sense for him to be at Utah. He could wait out as as he's working through this lawsuit. I know that Utah State's about to release their findings on Friday uh, in terms of the update. So I don't know if that's something that Utah fans necessarily care about as much as the fact that it's just he was – that I think what it speaks to is just how good a coach he is, right? Mm-hmm. And what the opportunity would have been at the University of Utah to have just another good coach, a good mind on staff in the facility, just another personality there. Uh, so, congrats to Coach Miley for getting a job with Boise State and Andy Avalos. It, I, it's a great fit for him. He stays in the Mountain West. He'll be in coaching still. He can figure everything out with with the settlement or lawsuit or whatever happens in that regard. And, and I, I wasn't informed of anything that happened in that meeting specifically, but the people that I've talked to about it are all very concerned about how it was framed and, and what was said, including players. And you're starting to see a few of them are transferring out um, even from, from Utah state. Some of that, you know, you feel bad for coach Anderson, coach Blake Anderson, I should say, yeah. um, because you never want to see players transfer, but um that is just kind of the reality of the situation. Uh, and, you know, I, I think the other part of it too is that with Utah being willing to take a chance on, on somebody like that, I think it proves to other programs just how viable a candidate he was, right? Yeah. And, and I don't want to, like, we we gloss up the University of Utah a lot, but I think the Kyle Whittingham coaching tree is something that has just proven time and time again to be very valid, very, very useful. Um because he's had a lot of coaches, a lot of guys go through his program, get into coaching as well. He knows good coaches. That, that's the thing. Kyle can identify coaching talent when he needs it. And yeah, like I said, best of luck to Frank Miley. Uh, hopefully the Utah State stuff gets put to bed relatively quickly. He can kind of move on from that. But best of luck to him in Boise. The other thing we need to talk about here before we go, Brian, is a showdown at the Huntsman Center. The homestand continues for the Utah men's basketball program. They're taking on the Stanford Cardinal, who uh, I'm not going to when we started recording, well, right before we started recording, I said, "Hey, Brian, you know what uh, Stanford's doing? Like how they're looking this year." And 
you and I were both like, okay, we need to look at this real quick. I pulled it up. Stanford is number two in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, four and one, off to a great start, eight and three overall. League wins over Arizona, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State. So good programs there that they they've taken care of. You know, I, I don't think Washington is a good team necessarily, but uh, competitive programs, Arizona, Oregon State, Washington State, obviously. Um, and they have some talent there. They have, you know, both some returning talent and some new talent that has come in to help out and and clearly it's meshing well. Yeah, Oscar De Silva is their leading scorer, averaging 19.8 points per game. He's going to be a tough guy to stop for Utah. A senior, 6'9", 225 pounds. Uh, I've, I've seen him play multiple times for Stanford over the years, and he looks as good as he's looked at any point in his career right now, and it's evidence. He's averaging almost 20 points a game. Uh, I wondered how Stanford would do. Uh, they had a good team last year, and you wondered, okay, they're going to lose some talent here. How are they going to do? Well, it looks like they just simply just reloaded and have run it back and looking really good so far. Yeah, they are. And, and Utah fans will probably recognize the name Dejon Davis as well. Yeah. Uh, new name to kind of look out for is Zaire Williams, who posted a triple double uh, against Washington, the, just the second triple double in program history. And it was the first one that Stanford has ever had using assists. He had 12 points, 12 boards, 10 assists. Uh, and he was the fifth freshman in Pac-12 history to tally a, a triple-double. So uh, you think about Pac-12 basketball, that's a very impressive standard, and, and for him to be one of the first to ever do that, um, yeah, I think it speaks volumes to the kind of talent that they brought in there and, and what's on the roster. And, uh, so you know, I, I'm, I'm sure – a lot of Utah fans who also maybe followed jazz basketball in the nineties will recognize the name James Keefe as well. <laughs> you should, if, if you don't, and James Keefe, the son of former Utah jazz superstar. Yes. I said, superstar Adam Keefe, but keep an eye on that. One thing I, I want people to keep an eye on in this game though, uh, Brian is three point shooting for Stanford. This is not a team that shoots a very high percentage. I think they're a team high. The leader right now is Spencer Jones at no, sorry, sorry, is it Spencer Jones? I'm doing a Spencer Jones at 36.7% uh, from beyond the arc. Oscar De Silva, 33.3%. This is not a team that shoots the three at an extremely high clip. Uh, they're going to attack you inside, and Utah's interior defense is going to have to hold up if they want to have any hope of winning this one. Yeah, that, that's the big part about it, and it's you're good. I think it's good that we heard from Brandon Carlson that he said he was ready to go and was going to play in this game because there was some concern about a twisted ankle with him. They're going to need his size. Maybe we see some Lahat tune as well. Hard to say. It'll be interesting to see what Utah does. Will they stick with the smaller lineup that they've gone with the last few games, or will they try to match that Stanford size? And like you said, this is a Stanford team that doesn't shoot great from the outside, but they defend pretty well from beyond the arc. They only allow 33% from opposing teams. They only allow 38% field goal percentage overall yeah. for opponents. So this is a team that defends well. For a Utah team that's been struggling with turnovers and, and getting good looks in the second half, this is going to be another tough road in, in this four-game home, home span. Yeah, so 3 o'clock is tip time. They've moved the game to ESPN2 if you're looking to watch it. Uh, a nice platform for Utah to play on. Uh, here's hoping they can snap this uh, jinx that's been over them. They, they have a good he first half. It's been a bad second half for the last two games. It, it, 
at least those last two games in particular because they almost were mere images of one another. But looking forward to seeing how they do today. Uh, Brian, before we go here, any parting thoughts from you to bestow upon our listeners? As always, it's a great day to be a Ute. Keep, keep, keep loving, keep fighting. I, I wish I had something better to say right there. This is... <laughs> This is what happens when I talk for for half an hour, Jake, because I just ran out of gas. That's okay. Go moisturize. That that's why we do half an hour, because by the time you get done, you know what? It's been we just plow through it, and by the end of it, you're gassed. I I completely get that. So. With that, we will sign off for today. We'll be back tomorrow recapping whatever happens in that Stanford game. We'll also preview a game against Cal for Utah basketball this weekend. So still plenty more to get to. And who knows? Maybe the transfer portal will yield yet another surprise for us in the meantime. So we've got plenty to cover on a Friday edition. So stay tuned for that tomorrow. For Brian, I'm Jake. Have a great rest of your day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for January 14th, 2021. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow tomorrow.